What's up everybody, it's Charles today taking your questions on sunroof leaks, coolant leaks, which fuel to use, and more. This is episode 264 of the Humble Mechanic Podcast. Alright, it has been forever since I put out one of these Q&A shows, so to remind you guys, if you want to get a question on a show like this, email me, charles at humblemechanic.com. Be sure to put question for Charles in that subject line. Ask your question, give me some space, then give me the details. Also, if you sent a question and haven't got a response back, send it again. I had about a week where my email wasn't working, so uh, try and help you guys out there. Also, if you're wondering about the audio-only versions, those are coming back soon, working through some website redesign stuff, so uh, we'll be firing that back up as well. Real quick, let's talk about the sponsor of the day, Pentison Technical Fluids. Pentison is one of those few companies that makes the right fluids for our European cars. Things like antifreeze, brake fluid, hydraulic fluid, engine oil, even transmission fluid. In fact, they are currently leading the development on twin clutch transmission fluid, or as we call them, DSG. You can check them out and learn more at pentison.net. And finally, if you want discounts to places like Black Forest, Eastwood, MT9, Sonic Tools, Kerma TDI Prime, Shades, and more, check out the crew membership program. It's a great way to support the show, but more importantly, you guys get rad discounts to all those places and more that are probably listed right here and more coming soon. All right, uh, one final thing. If you want to check out that new project that I mentioned a couple of videos ago that's not a Volkswagen, hang out till the end because I'll show you guys a little clip of what that's going to be, and we'll talk a little bit about it. All that's wrapped up. Let's hit the questions. First up from PJ. Hey, Charles, can you give any insight on the leaking panoramic sunroofs VW has been dealing with on the 2017 Alltrack, the Torag, the Tiguan, the Sportwagon, and more. I added all those other cars. PJ's just talking about the Sportwagon. Is it worth buying a manufacturer buyback that had this issue? I've been shopping for a new vehicle and to since I totaled my Tangerine Scream Yellow 2013 Focus ST. Hope you're all right after that accident. I was all set to pull the trigger until I found out about this issue that seems pretty common. I know VW has tried some fixes with the spot welds and drain tubes, but I wanted to get more info. Thanks for taking my question. Love the channel. Best. PJ. Okay. Um, PJ, love the Alltrack. Think it's a great car. Wish VW would have put it out 10 years ago because they would be on a whole nother level, I think, really uh, overtaking where Subaru's at with what they're doing. All besides the point. So the panoramic roofs on, uh, basically since they've come out, have been problematic. We can go back to the Jetta Sport Wagon and the Torag, the Tiguans when they all first came out. Even now, you know, the newer ones, I don't think the sunroof is as bad, but the new ones do also leak. Oh, and the Mark 7 golf platform cars without the pano roof, with just a regular roof, might be the worst sunroof design ever. Uh, that comes from a dude that has worked on many, many cars, for 20 years fixing water leaks on sunroofs, and he's like, dude, this is the worst one ever. But anyway, um, yeah, you're gonna buy this car, it's got a sunroof, a pano roof. To me, having a panoramic sunroof is not a deal breaker. I love the panoramic sunroof, except for the leaks on it. I'm gonna tell you some ways you can avoid the leaks, or not avoid maybe, but at least reduce the likelihood of having a sunroof leak. We lucked out that the Torag doesn't have a sunroof, which I'm happy about because now it's just one less thing I have to deal with, the Golf R, no sunroof. You may have seen the video I did on my Mark IV, which does have a sunroof, and then had a passenger side floorboard with about two inches of standing water in it. Uh, super not happy when that happened, but got it all straightened out. Anyway, so what can we do if we're gonna buy this car that has a panoramic sunroof known for leaks? What can we do to help avoid it? The biggest thing is to keep the roof of the car clean. See, we need to think about sunroofs a little bit different. We think it's got a sunroof in it, we should keep all the water out of the vehicle. And ideally that would be the case, but some water can always get past those seals. 
So what we need to think about is not water prevention, getting in the car, we need to think of it as water flow management, right? It sounds ridiculous, but that's really what we need to think about it. Some water is always going to get past, then we need to make sure that that water is channeled to the proper spots and out of the vehicle. If it's not, that's when we get drains overflowing or the drains come off and it's just pouring right out. So what we can do is we keep the roof clean, we keep the glass clean once a month, every other month or so, we open the sunroof, we clean the tracks out, we flush the drains out, watch my Mark IV video, different sunroof, same basic principle of flushing all this stuff out. What can happen is a little bit of water and a little bit of dirt over time gets built up in there, it starts to flow out and then it hits that choke point in the drain, backs up the drain, drain, backs up, backs up, backs up, now it's overflowing the track, or overflowing the connection point for the drain. And that's really, usually anyway, what causes the leaks. Now there's some structural stuff as well that can cause leaks and uh, fail seals. That's an issue on the Tiguans now. The seals are the problem and there's even a recall for it. So if you do those things, keep the roof clean, keep the tracks clean, your likelihood of having a leak is much less than if you just let pine straw build up on it and dirt build up on it and all that other garbage build up on it and don't do anything about it. Now, as far as buying a manufacturer buyback car, this totally depends. Typically, when we have a manufacturer buyback, there is a lot that goes into it before it ever gets bought back. It's just that customer hit the criteria for a buyback. So let's say this car had a sunroof leak, it got bought back. By the time it gets re-retailed, so back out on the lot, which I'm super okay with as long as it's been fixed, it's it should be anyway, completely top to bottom, perfect, right? It should have a new headliner if it needed it, new A, B, C, D pillars if needed, new carpet and padding if needed. That may not have been needed, but if it was, it should have been replaced. So what you can do as a customer, couple of things. One, ask for the repair records and say what happened to it, right? What parts were replaced. Then you need to do a very thorough inspection on the vehicle. Look at the headliner. Look where the A-pillars meet the headliner. The A-pillars are the ones along the windshield at the top. Look where those meet. See if there's any water stains. B-pillars, the ones where your driver's and passenger front seatbelts are. C-pillars, where the back seat seatbelts are. D-pillars, which are all the way at the back. Make sure there's no water staining. Look around the lights. Look everywhere. Do very thorough inspection on that headliner. Make sure that there's no water stains. Because if there's water stains, either the leak wasn't fixed or they didn't replace that stuff when uh, after fixing the leak. Either way, you wanna know, and you wanna have that stuff taken care of and addressed. You can ask the salesman, they may not know though. A lot of times, a buyback gets handled completely in service, and by the time the car gets back up to the sales department, it, they don't know, right? It's just the sales guys selling this one car. They don't know the full history, like maybe the service department would. So I, I wouldn't really be upset about buying a buyback car, especially if you still have warranty on it, and also, the technician works on the car. Typically, when we get to the buyback level, VW Corporate's involved with their regional quality technical managers, so there's another set of hands in that repair, not just that technician, which can be a good thing, um, you know, depending on, on who's working on the car. So I wouldn't hesitate. If you're doing the sunroof, do those things that I, I showed you. If you want to watch how I do it, Check out that Mark IV video, of course, I'll link it up in the description and in the cards if I can, and you can check that out just to get, get your mind right on what you need to do to hopefully prevent that water leak in the first place. All right, next up is from Faith. Hey Charles, I've been Googling, trying to solve the problem with my coolant leak. 
on my VW Golf. Found your Facebook page, listen to the YouTube. Thank you. My coolant light's been coming on, so I took it to the mechanic. Basically, Faith has filled up this car a bunch of times over, it looks like, two months and not really finding any leaks, so it seems that it may be a water pump failure. From your Facebook post, you mentioned there would be an upcoming recall for this. Did that ever happen? If so, am I still going to be able to go to the dealership to get this fixed? Your advice is much appreciated. Kind regards, Faith. Okay, Faith, that is a pretty old Facebook post, and yes, that recall has come out. The recalls have probably all already been done at this point. And that was only a very narrow VIN range of the GTI. It wasn't any other two liters. It wasn't any 1.8 turbos. It was solely just the GTI. And again, very limited range, like 2011 to 2013, only certain VINs. Odds are, so depending on what year and what engine this Golf has, odds are it's the water pump, okay? If we go all the way back to 2008 and a half when the TSI engine first came out, to even today, which is a totally different TSI engine, but it's still a very similar water pump design. The water pump is the most common failure point when it comes to coolant leaks. That applies to the two liter turbo, that applies to the 1.8 turbo, the 1.4, the 2.5, those are all different. So depending on what engine your car has, I don't think we listed it in the description, it may not be the water pump, but if it is a 1.8 or a two liter turbo from 08 and a half to basically now, uh, it's probably the water pump. One of the awesome things about VW's bright pink or bright purple coolant is when it leaks and then dries, it leaves a crusty pink trail so you can just trace it back up or back down depending on which way you're looking at and typically find the source of the coolant leak. Now, you said that it, you don't see it leaking. The reason that may be is you have a belly pan and it could all be leaking onto the belly pan. Maybe park at a weird angle like the nose down so it all rests on the belly pan. And then when you drive, the coolant just goes out. So really, you really wanna get this inspected. You can open the hood yourself, look up underneath the intake manifold, which is the plastic manifold in the front of the car, in the front of the engine, and see if you see any pink traces or anything wet. That usually means it's a coolant leak from the main coolant pump. Now, if you take the belly pan off underneath, you can probably do a little bit better inspection. You can look at the after-run pump, which is another, not super common, but potential point of leakage. But the coolant pump, the main water pump, is the most common. Now, while you're looking up underneath, look at the front plastic and see if there's any issue there. Maybe you hit something and popped a hole in the radiator. That, that happens too, right? There are also other places. We could be having a leak of coolant at the turbocharger, the heater core connections at the coolant flange on the side of the engine at any, basically anywhere, right? Anywhere in the system can potentially leak. It's just the water pumps the most common. Typically it gets saturated in oil, that expands the seal, cracks the plastic, and now we're leaking coolant. What I want you to do though, is I really want you to check your coolant level. If it's super low, top it off with water, go to a VW Audi specialty shop or a dealer and get it inspected properly. And then they can guide you on what you need to replace. If you wanna see about a current recall open or recalls that have been executed and closed, grab your VIN and just call your local dealership. You can even call probably VW Corporate. They should be able to help you out there as well. And you can see, okay, yes, my car had the recall and it was fixed, or it never had it and it's open, or it never applied to your vehicle to begin with. If it had the recall and was repaired and is leaking again, like the recall said, call Volkswagen of America and have the, and talk to them. They may help you again. They may replace that again, tell you to go to the closest dealership. 
They may not. I've seen it both ways. The old W8 Passat had a recall and the V6 four motion Passat had a recall for the fuel tank leaking. I seen some get passed, like the test passed on the first go around while the recall was open. Four years later, it's leaking. I've seen VW cover that. I've also seen VW not cover that. They take it case by case, give them a call, be sweet as pie, right? You want them on your side. You don't want to fight them. That person on the other line didn't break the car. So you want them as your advocate, not your adversary. That should be on a t-shirt somewhere for customer service, I feel like, at least from a customer facing standpoint. And uh, try that way to see if you can get some kind of resolution to it. But either way, I want you to take it to a VW Audi specialty shop or the dealership and have it properly inspected. They may pressurize the system with a coolant pressure tester, and that really exaggerates that leak. So it typically can be easier to find that way. But like I said, VW coolant often leaves a pink trail when, uh, when it dries. So, and since you've had this issue for a little bit of time, you may have that as well. Should be easy to spot, if not pressure test, and find the location of the leak. All right, next one up is on a Mark IV new Beetle. Hey, Charles, I'm a big fan from Nairobi, Kenya. How cool is that? I have a 2000 new Beetle and have worked hard to keep it going at times. I've noticed that it burns about half a liter per every 2000 kilometers with 65 kilometers on the clock. Is it worth keeping the long term? I love the way it drives and handles and in Kenya parts are very cheap. Boy, wouldn't that be awesome if VW parts were cheap in the US. Uh, what's your take on the car overall and its oil consumption? Okay, the way I look at should I keep this car, should I replace it? Can you replace this car for as good or better of a car for roughly the amount you can sell it for? Odds are no. If you've worked hard and put a bunch of money into it to make the car better, don't sell it. You've already spent the money to make it better. Why sell it and uh, you know get out of a car that you know the problems with and can fix them to adopt problems that you don't know about? So I would keep it, but that ultimately, obviously, is up to you. On the oil consumption, so we have half a liter for 2,000 kilometers. For those of us in the U.S., that's about half a quart in about 1,200 miles. That is 100% completely in the realm of acceptable in the VW Audi world, even on cars that aren't turbocharged. So here's our options. We can do nothing. Top it off, you know, every 2,000 kilometers or so, or 1,500 miles, give or take, and not worry about it. We can go way deep, diagnose where this oil's going, right? Because just because it's using or losing oil doesn't mean it's actually consuming it through the engine. Perhaps it's leaking. It's an awful lot of oil to be leaking over that short of a time. So uh, you can, if it's leaking that much, you should see it, right? <laughs> uh, what we, else we can do, so, you know, do you want to dive in and do like the mechanical diagnosis on it, compression test, leak down test, all that kind of stuff? Maybe, maybe not. Could be fun learning experience, may not be a good valuable spend of your time. Here's what I would do first before I did anything. Now, some of what I'm going to talk about may change based on where you are, right? In the U.S., these are products that we can get pretty readily available. In other parts of the world, these aren't available. So there's two companies I'm going to talk about. Both are really, really good. I would use either one. Whatever you can get works just fine. We have BG, which is short for bearing and gear, and they have an engine performance restore, which is a pre-oil change treatment. So you get your car up to temp, dump this stuff in, follow the directions on the can. I think it's like run it for 12 minutes, and then do your oil change, use the correct oil. They have an additive you add after the oil change, oddly enough, called motor oil additive, or MOA for short and go about your business. Doing that on my Passat many years ago, I saw about a 6% increase in compression. So it does something, right? And less oil consumption on the Turbo Passat. There's also a company called Liquimali. 
make very similar products. I'm no way, shape, or form a chemical engineer, but I'm assuming that these are going to be very similar type stuff. They have an engine oil flush, so pre-treatment, before you do the oil change, follow the instructions in the can, do that, change the oil properly, and they have also additives. Uh, MOS2, I think is what theirs called, or Surtec, depending on which direction that you go. The same kind of idea that's supposed to remove some junk from the piston rings and do some stuff in the combustion chamber if you pair that up with the fuel that uh, the fuel treatment that they have. So there's, there's a couple of ways you can handle that. I would try those first. Overall, these are pretty inexpensive things. You do them every 30,000 miles, give or take, and that's supposed to help rejuvenate your engine, right? Maybe we do these things every oil change until we see that use of oil going away. So what you can find locally, try that. There's probably other companies that are only available overseas that may do the same thing, but that's kind of what you wanna think about. An engine oil treatment before an oil change, proper oil change, additive afterwards, and see where that gets you. You know, For 30, 40 bucks, I think it's well worth that money when you're doing an oil change anyway, or just keep topping it off. Half a liter at a time is, uh, what is it, another liter and a half or so, give or take between oil changes. So 15 bucks there, I don't know. It depends on which way you want to spend your money, but I would do the treatment and see how it went. All right, last one of the day is from Lucas, and it's about octane rating on a new VW Turbo. Hey, humble mechanic, just moved from Colorado to Alaska and purchased a 2019 Tiguan. In Colorado, they had 85, 87, and 91. In Alaska, we have 87, 88 and a half, and 91. 88 and a half, I've never seen that on a pump. That got me thinking about which octane I should use. This is my first turbocharged automobile, and I've heard from many car enthusiasts that turbo cars require premium fuel. I'm also aware of the direct injection engine and concerns about carbon buildup. Any advantage to using premium versus regular? Just subscribe. Thank you for the content. Lucas, thanks for the question. Congratulations on the move. I hear Alaska is awesome. Uh, never been. Actually, I don't think I've ever been to Colorado either, so I might need to put both of those on my list. Anyway, let's talk about fuel. So. On your Tiguan, I'm like 97.5% sure that it is only requiring 87 octane fuel. Base fuel, right? Not the low-grade stuff, okay? Um, if this were my car, that's what I would use. I would just fill it up and have a great day about it. Uh, carbon buildup concerns, of course. That's why once a day or every other day, you want to take it on a spirited test drive and uh, give it the beans, as they say or the Italian tune-up, as they also say as well. Basically, put the go pedal to the floor and blow the junk out. That won't solve the problem, but it's fun, and it sure helps. Of course, obey all local speed limits and all other traffic laws. When doing this, I don't want you to get a ticket and blame me, and I'm pretty sure most officers won't use the, sir, I was doing an Italian tune-up, as an excuse to let you out of a ticket. Now, when it comes to turbocharged cars and performance cars and what fuel do they use, your Tiguan was designed to run properly on the fuel that it says on the little sticker on your fuel door, which again, I'm pretty sure is 87 octane. Because of that, use 87 octane. Save that, I think it's like 40 cents different between regular and premium here, that delta, 40 cents a gallon is a lot. Four cents I'm not worried about, 40 cents, that, that can add up you know, over a year's time. So use what it says. You can also do this testing to see if maybe it does run better on 89 or 88 and a half um, or 91. We have 89 here now. Of course, it's probably 88 and a half anyway. Uh, just a mix of premium and regular, right? You can, you can do this testing on it. Remember that it might take your car some time to adapt. So I wouldn't necessarily use one tank of fuel as the, uh, the test. I might use four tanks of fuel and see how it goes. Also, what are we looking for? Are we looking for performance differences? We may not be able to really feel that. Are we looking for fuel economy differences? 
uh, that's so driver subjective that it may be tough, really tough to do an accurate testing. We have a 2005 Passat that requires 91 or premium. It might even say 93 in it. And I've only put 89 in it for many, 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 many years and never had a problem. Never had a hesitation because of fuel, never had low fuel economy because of using low grade fuel. The only time I think I've ever put premium in it is when I was in South Carolina because it's like 30 cents a gallon cheaper because North Carolina and South Carolina's fuel taxes are so much different. Compare that to the R32 requires premium even before it was tuned, now it's tuned, so of course I'm gonna use premium. Golf R requires premium. The GTI did not require premium, then we turbocharged it, now we require premium, and the Torag is a diesel, and I don't know about the project car, I haven't even looked to see what kind of fuel that thing takes. So again, this is designed to run on the fuel that is listed on that placard. Now, here's something else to consider. You guys may have saw that big road trip we did with Shell. This is something I learned on that road trip. They have their new Shell V-Power Nitro Plus premium fuel. You know, they have mid-grade and they have regular. This new fuel has different additive packages, right? To prevent corrosion, gunk, and that kind of stuff. In the premium fuel, it's at its highest concentration. All those detergents and all that additive package exists in 89, and it exists in 87, or mid-grade and low-grade, depending on you know where you're at, 85 and 87. It exists in those octane ratings as well. It's just in the highest concentration in the highest line fuel. So think of it as the highest line fuel has a little bit more detergent, a little bit more additives than the mid and the low grade. That may play a role in what you use for your vehicle. Now, using premium fuel is not going to prevent carbon buildup on the backs of the valves. It just can't. What it can do is keep the tips of the injectors cleaner, the combustion chamber cleaner, resulting in a more efficient, better burning engine, and that may reduce some of the blow-by that comes through. So in a way it can, but directly it doesn't. It's sort of like a byproduct of having a good quality fuel. So I would use 87 if that's what your car says. I would go to, I think it's toptiergas.com, I'll link it down in the description, and make sure you're using top tier fuel. Find a fuel station close to you on that list and start using that fuel and just see how it goes. Cool thing is, is we can do some of this testing over time if you want, or <laughs> dude, drop 87 in it, drive it, enjoy it, and not worry too terribly much about it. Unfortunately, I think we've realized, well, many years ago, that direct injection, while awesome, and gives so much fluidity and capability to what we can do with directing fuel into the engine, may not be as amazing as and awesome as we thought, right? I think the magic sauce is direct injection and port injection, which is something some of the, I think the Audi TTRS has where it kind of runs on port injection and then the performance side is the direct injection. That kind of thing works way better than just direct injection. There's other manufacturers that do direct injection too. In fact, in Europe, a lot of the VWs are direct injection, which uh, too bad we didn't get here, but it doesn't really matter because all cars are going to be electric cars in like five minutes and all the internal combustion cars are just gonna get crumpled up and thrown in a landfill, at least if you listen to some people, uh, which I don't actually think is the case, those internal combustion engines are gonna be around for quite some time. So I would use a fuel that the car requires, that's what it's meant to run on. If you ever tune it or anything like that, performance modification, that's when we wanna think about that higher grade fuel and your tuner should be able to help guide you in the right direction. All right guys, I'm gonna wrap it up there. Questions, comments, drop them down below. Thank you so much for watching and I'll talk to you again next time. Oh, I almost forgot. Let's check out that project car and see what it is. All right, here we go. That's the Passat, she, poor Passat. Here she is, the new 
project car. It's a 99 Mazda Miata. Uh, clearly has some damage to it. Got a fender that I'm probably going to replace. Bumper. Check out that headlight. Pretty cool. Uh, I don't really know exactly what we're going to be doing this car with this car. It was going to be an autocross car, but the season's kind of close to over and uh, don't think we're gonna be able to get it straight by the time uh, by the time the new season rolls around. I don't even have tags for it yet. Uh, maybe for the new season, not, not for this season. It is definitely not the best shape ever, but I think it's gonna be pretty fun. Uh, it's, I think this is the first rear wheel drive car I've ever owned, so I'm excited for it. And you guys know me, I love my convertibles. So uh, we'll be doing some fun stuff on this. Clearly it needs some love. The brakes are toast, tires are probably old as heck and uh body damage as well so looking forward to it what do you guys think drop it down in the comments let me know